Today's episode of A Dog's Life is supported by my favourite new pet care company, Sniff and Lick It. That's Sniff with an E and Lick It with two Ks. What I love the most, I think, is their brand ethos. It's all about using 100% natural aromatherapeutic scents combined with natural ingredients specially formulated to be pH balanced for a dog's skin. They even have a signature fragrance created by aromatherapists just for dogs. It's called Woodland Wonderfur and combines essential oils like cedarwood, pettigrain, vetiver and hoe leaf. This alluring, calming and confidence building scent runs through its grooming range from shampoos to fragrant wipes so it's massaged into the skin and coat. Sniff and Lick It also have other products like their fun gifts the home barking kit, air fresheners and scented gift cards. And Prudence, Mr. Binks, and not to mention myself, are absolutely obsessed with their dry shampoo. The brilliantly named No Rinse Charming is a 100% natural dry powder shower that's perfect for on-the-go spruce-ups for your pooch. Go listen back to episode 65 when I spoke to co-founder Judy Phillips, who talks about the whole range. You'll love it. And if you go to sniffandlickit.com, you can get 15% off all their products by using the promo code ANNA15, A-N-N-A-1-5. That's sniffandlickit.com and the code is anna 15. Just use that code in your shopping basket in their online shop. Remember Pepper the Miniature Schnauzer and Jean Vieve the journalist? Well, we're off to meet them on Hampstead Heath now. We're going to recap on that article that we did together and talk about that amazing photo shoot and actually a lot more. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Geneviève, it's so lovely to see you again. Oh, it's lovely to see you. Very nice to be here. And we're sat in this lovely little glade on Hampstead Heath, literally a few steps away from the famous log where we did a really super photo shoot just a few weeks ago. We did, didn't we? My goodness, the weather was slightly different then. It was absolutely kind of glorious sunshine and now we've got storm ever just kind of past and it's a bit kind of soggy but that was fun wasn't it and that's the first time for that photo shoot for the piece that's out in the observer magazine today in fact isn't it um for the piece about dogs and well-being and what you could teach pepper and i about how to be more kind of interactive and what to get out of of a walk together um pepper for the first time thanks to you learnt dog agility and how to um walk the beam as it were very kind of tokyo <laughs> olympic very tokyo very relevant oh, explain who um pepper is ah Pepper. Look at Pepper. I'm looking at her pointy ears. Pepper is um, a miniature schnauzer, but um, yeah, a miniature schnauzer with good good ears. She's um, eight years old. She lives with me and my husband and our two kind of twenty-something-year-old sons um, nearby um, in Tuffle Park, North London. And um, yeah, she's a friendly, sociable um, old thing. She's about the same age as me. She's eight. 
she's the same age as Mr Binks. Oh. And they, of course, got on famously when we went for our walk. I love Pepper. I mean, her ears are something else, you know, because normally <laughs> Minnie Schnauzer's ears flop, but hers point up. And it just gives her this uh, fantastic expression. And she enjoyed it, didn't she, her, her learning on her walk? She did, actually. She, well, she enjoyed it because you gave her quite a few rather wholesome <laughs> venison um, treats. But she did enjoy it. I mean, she is, you know, I know all dogs are sociable, or you know better than me, some are more sociable than others. But I think she and Mr Binks did sort of hang out a bit together, didn't she? Didn't they? And then was that moment when we were on a different log, when we were doing some other agility um, tricks, where, was it Mr Binks or was it Pepper who very much protected our territory when um, a Labrador came near? It was Pepper actually, Pepper being of course um, a girl and in, in, in the world of dogs, dogs are matriarchal. So it's Pepper's role really to kind of be the boss in the pack. And she did, she saw off that golden retriever that was invading our space because we were busy. And actually that's one of the things we talked about, wasn't it, in the piece about how owners really must never let their dogs be a nuisance. So mm. if you see somebody having a nice chat, enjoying their walk with their dogs, and you know, for me, I would think it would be awfully rude to let my dog go bounding up and breaking up, you know, a party really. Well, and Pepper saw her off. <laughs> well, Pepper did do that, but I have to say, you know, come the picnic season, she's a bit of a kind of picnic pest. And, you know, you've got two dogs and you're obviously very good at training um, your dogs, um, Pepper will run off and sniff out, you know, a nice, delicious kind of pasty or something. <laughs> but one of the things that I was surprised to learn from you was you saying actually, you know, that it is a bit of a myth that you can't teach old dogs kind of new tricks. As I was walking here today, I was thinking, well, could I really kind of train her now to stop her? being a picnic nuisance. What do you think? Of course you can, absolutely. I mean, it's an urban myth you can't train old dogs. You totally can. It just might take a little longer. But the wonderful thing is about Peppa, she is very food motivated. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that's what, because some dogs aren't. You know, and really? so training a dog, yeah, that doesn't like food, you have to rely on play. Tug of war on a rope and, right. and, and everything. Um, hiding food, making food more exciting. But Peppa would be easy, and of course that's that's why she likes the picnics. So I would have her when there are picnics, which hopefully we will get the opportunity to do again, right, Jim? Yeah, because the weather's been dire. Um, is have her on a five meter long line so that, you know, you can give her the length and the freedom, but you're calling her back to you all the time. And that becomes so much fun. Coming back to you is way more fun than smelling a bit of fox poo or, you know, saying hello to another golden retriever or whatever it might be, you're more interesting. You become the focus of her world when you're out and about. So that's really interesting because in um, in the piece that I've that I've written, um, we've included your top tips, your kind of do's and don'ts for being out walking with your dog. And one of the things that you say is keep your dog on this five meter line, by which you mean lead, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. And I wasn't kind of sure why um but so so now i see that and also what's interesting to me is the idea that actually being with me on a five meter kind of lead or line and the rewards that i could give her 
are actually kind of better for her in the end than her going trying to kind of nick somebody's delicious smoked salmon and cream cheese bagel, mm. which she won't get, and she'll get humans sort of going, go away, go away, and us kind of shouting at her, going kind of pepper, come here. So she, unless she's really quick, she's not going to get any food. But if she comes to me on recall, she will get that delicious Exactly, treat. exactly. Oh, yeah. And and it's stopping any, because um, see, even if people going, Peppa, come here, Peppa, you're so naughty. For the dog, you're joining in the experience of her raiding a picnic. Oh. So she'll be like, oh, mum's really egging me on. <laughs> right? So she'll be like, I've got to get that bagel. Um, and then the people, you know, will be getting all hysterical. And she'll be like, this is so much fun. I've created such a commotion and everyone's oh. joining oh, in. It's like sort of cheering, a, well, not cheering a child when they're being kind of brattish, but it's sort of something like it's something like that yeah so the whole thing is that you and your dog on the walk are one and are enjoying the nature you know using the walk as well as therapy which of course I guess you know through lockdown us lucky ones with dogs we've we've benefited from that yeah. seamlessly yeah. haven't we yeah I mean I definitely felt um, during the lockdowns I mean we're a 10 minute walk um, from Hampstead Heath and I don't know if you found this, but you know, having Pepper, having to get up every day when we were really in a state of shock, we were constantly having to recalibrate, weren't we? And we all—I mean, I work from home anyway, but the shock of having no routine, this new experience of kind of fear and um, all these factors that we couldn't control. We're not kind of mitigated by having a dog to take for a walk, but the bottom line is that that kind of routine got you up and dressed, and you had to be out of the house, didn't you, by a certain yeah. time? Okay, you couldn't get a coffee from anywhere, <laughs> um, but you know we would bring a coffee and actually come and you know sit on a log, and we felt like we were kind of getting out, and it just does boost, you know, it did and it does kind of boost the spirits. So you know, and then we did our evening walk and that became more of a thing we would do together usually in the evenings one of us would take pepper for a walk but you know my husband and i would go and walk together we'd you know or we'd go with our sons who are like 20 and 22 we'd all go and walk because there was the only event and thing yes. we could actually do you couldn't go to a restaurant you couldn't go to a bar you couldn't you know um go and pick up groceries to come back and have a lovely supper so it was literally, and so that's of course what spurred the huge puppy pandemic boom. Right. You know, mm. people saw happy faces on Instagram, saw people out and about with their dogs and mm. thought, yeah, and then of course we all know that's, you know, caused another three and a half million dogs to be living. Gosh, is it really <laughs> it's that, that many? many. Wow. Yeah, it's that many, yeah, it's scary. Right. right. But, you know, I mean, I know for myself, if I'm feeling a bit down, we all have down days through the pandemic, yes, maybe more than others, but you know for me dogs have always been that structure and I think everyone needs structure in their lives mm. and I, I suppose for many that the structure was going to the office having that nine to five structure suddenly not having that overnight that must have been really difficult for mm. people you know and mm. I'm so grateful yeah. <laughs> for the dogs that always do you know I mean you've got to walk them you've got to feed them you've got to groom them well, yeah, and also you have got to kind of you know, you do, one does sort of naturally, but you know, talk to them and things. So yeah. once you do that, that also kind of cheers you up, doesn't it? Well, um, yeah, I mean, they're known to reduce our blood pressure and um, just stroking pepper like you're doing now is boosting oxytocin in your brain. Mm, amazing. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I've got this weird theory occasionally of which, uh, you know, is this. Hit me with it. <laughs> well, that, you know, we domesticated the dog the first, you know, it was before the horse or the cat, you know. Mm. And I reckon we did that um, because dogs do fulfill the one thing the human condition lacks, ah. mm, which, which is, is unconditional love. Because ah. if you think about it, you know, dogs are there for us. I mean, my flat was flooded last week and oh. the dogs have just been great, you know, and aware that something scary was happening. I think they thought they were going to drown at one point, mm, so I had to yeah. evacuate them actually to the car. But, um, but you know, it is this unconditional love that gets used. It's quite a cliche, but I think this is, there is something in it. And I, I believe that learning that from a dog does make you more human and more empathetic. And I would, Yes, Genevieve, but correct me, you are a very famous journalist. You've been the features editor for The Telegraph, write for The Observer and The Guardian, The Financial Times and many more. But do you think empathy and, um, you know, understanding the human condition is a key attribute to being a good journalist? Oh, that's such a good question. Gosh, well, I think, you know what I think? I think that being a kind of good journalist or enjoying being a journalist um, is definitely about connections. It's about kind of making connections and talking to people and kind of stepping out of your own shoes and yes, being, you know, which is pretty much the definition of kind of, of, kind of empathy, isn't it? Um, really wanting to know what, how somebody got to kind of where they are and then, you know, somehow conveying all of that to your reader or to your kind of listener or whatever. So um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you think like with you, you have to listen to you have to really listen to be, you know, a journalist and to, you know, pick up kind of what people are really saying in the kind of silences and so forth. And it's funny when you think about a dog, like sometimes when I think about Pepper, you think, well, she seems kind of attuned to different moods definitely for sure um, and uh, like you say when when Mr Binks and Prudence your dogs were kind of aware they were frightened themselves during your flood but you know I don't know if you felt they kind of looked out for you but I feel like you know Pepper looks out for me um, in kind of moments of moments that I hide from other people Mm, emotional mm. moments that I hide from other people. That's rather a long way from kind of empathy, but it's back to her and dogs being empathetic. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. No, they do. I just when I evacuated them to the car, they could hear all the commotion going on mm. and water splashing, people, you know, blaspheming, everybody in a panic and mm. that energy, you know, mm. was, was and the change in voices. And, and change in voice. voices yeah. and my voice and, and I, I wasn't in in view. Um I think they thought I died and <laughs> when I could went to get them from the car the joy on their faces really? yeah because really? they yeah. they knew yeah. something very mm. strange was going on mm. but it was interesting I, you know i i'm aware of your book milkshakes and morphine Geneviève, which obviously covers uh, a very difficult phase of your life but explain why it was kind of weird that pepper got hit by a car just as you were going to begin your chemotherapy Yes, she did. Yes. So Milkshakes and, and Morphine is a, is a um, it's my memoir and it's about it's really about how my kind of past and present um, collided. So my past was a kind of, um, you know, picaresque kind of 
childhood characterised by kind of loss. Both my parents had died by the time I was nine and we'd moved from America to England. So there was this kind of dislocation and, and kind of all kinds of strangenesses um, that unfurled kind of as a result of that. And so, um, like lots of people, my, you know, that put down a marker for me, which um, was that, you know, I always kind of worried about, um, you know, would the same thing happen to me? Would I get, can would I die from kind of cancer like my kind of mother did? And then when I had kids, that was my two sons, that was always my big fear. What if, what if I'm lost to them? And then I got this cancer diagnosis um, in 2014 and I thought, here we go, you know, the past is right here kind of in my present. And so the memoir is about, um, uh, it's about uh, how you, how I was forced to look back during my treatment. And actually you mentioned Pepper being run over by the car, by a car, but one of the things that I talk about, because I moved between the past and the present in the book is when I was um, eight, um, it was about a year before we moved house and also my mother died, but we were living in Brighton and we had um, a Labrador puppy, um, our first um, dog, um, and we were living right by the seafront and she got run over by a car. And I remember lying with her under the desk in the hall and thinking, I'm gonna lie with her and I'm gonna make her better. Um, and she did get better. So when my mother got ill, I thought, well, I'll do what I did for oh. Libra, I will be with her and I'll make her better. But she didn't get better. Oh. And so weirdly, when when Pepper got hit by a car, I thought, my God. So history really is repeating itself. So I was extremely kind of spooked. But, um, you know, the great thing was that um, Pepper um, being incapacitated like that meant all four of us in the family all rallied and focused on her. The focus went right away from me. And I remember going to the vet, you know, with Pepper, with, um, with my own kind of um, treatment sort of just around the corner. And it was brilliant because I didn't think about it. It wasn't mm. about me, you know, and she was a big help in that way. And her rehabilitation as well, I guess, you know, and helping your boys who are really young then perhaps deflect some of the, the pain and the, the worry for you onto Pepper and therefore not making you feel so awful, perhaps. <laughs> they were amazing. I remember coming down one morning and one of my sons, uh, I think he was about kind of 12 at the time, was lying um, on the sofa with Pepper not speaking just kind of lying and you thought you know this is a way to really seek solace and actually to kind of to receive it so that unspoken communication I felt was you know pretty amazing um, I also remember when I was um, this is also in the book but when I was finally um, telling people um, about telling friends about my cancer diagnosis, making phone calls. I thought, oh, I can't really send a text or whatever. Uh, I was walking with Pepper one day and I was speaking to a friend saying, oh, hi. She was like, oh, how are you? And we made some joke about something or other. And I thought, right, I've got to tell her. And suddenly faltered emotionally, couldn't speak. And Pepper just stopped right by me and looked up at me. Gosh. And we had both been walking along the sidewalk. So, you know, she knew. Well, she knew. She would have known because you would have smelt different to her for a start. Oh, really? Well, yeah. you know um, Medical Detection Dogs, the um, charity that trains dogs to 
sniff out cancer volatiles in human urine and breath, you know, and they have proved that dogs can detect breast cancer really, really early through human breath. I mean, it's extraordinary. Absolutely I mean, that incredible. is how sensitive the dog's mm. nose is. Mm. So I'm sure Pepper was with you on that journey and, you know, and, you know, the gods up there maybe did you know, make her be run over that day for, for a reason, because she was going to survive it. And in a way, it was going to help the whole family with a physical outward issue yes. to deal with, yes. Um, yes. help, you know, the internal aspect of, yes. of the cancer, perhaps, in a weird way, you know. I mean, I, I love, um, I don't know if you've heard of him, Dr. Rupert Sheldrake, who um, writes about um, all sorts of things like morphic resonance and social bonds, but um, also about um, telepathic communication okay. between dogs and their owners, and ah. the fact that dogs know so much, and yes, their sense of smell helps with all of that, but he actually takes his theories beyond that, so dogs can be really far away and know that their owners had a skiing accident, for example, in the Alps. Really? All this is in his amazing book, and they sense they they they, they have premonitions and um, and once actually in China they were using dogs to um, alert to imminent um, earthquakes because the dogs would act differently. They would start pacing around and panting, showing signs of stress when there was nothing really to stress them out um, apart from um, impending doom of um, a massive disaster. I know. Um, now his book, Dogs That Know, when their owners are coming home. Similarly, dogs are at home and know when their owners are coming home. Yeah, right. yeah. Yes. And, and, yes. and but there is all of that that makes everything, you know, a, a bit perhaps unscientific in the conventional way, but there's so much that energy and energetic connections that we don't really understand, I think. I think the thing is that if you, f if you feel these things, you know, just for you kind of as an individual, um, you know, aside from having theories and kind of writing books about it, um, then just go with it, you know, mm -hmm. and actually, you know, have, feel those kind of, you know, connections with your dog. I do think that it would be lovely when people do go back to work, to offices, um, hopefully with kind of changes kind of made and allowances made for a more kind of, you know, an easier way of being in an office that, that people might think about letting dogs come. I know, I think it's such a them. great idea. I mean, look, you know, all these new tech groovy firms, yeah. they all allow dogs. And I Do think, they? Yeah. yeah, Google mm. does, Facebook. Mm. And I think it's great. It just means that people have to bother to train their dogs, really, so that they're not going to be a nuisance, bark all day, drive people, you know, around the bend with the barking or pee on the floor and these sorts of things, which I think is a good thing because it might motivate people to actually train their dogs. Um, so on the barking um, note, um, mm. I was talking to Richard, um, my husband, about meeting up with you today and he said, by the way, when you did meet up with Anna for that photo shoot the other day, did you ask about um, Peppa's whisper it? Um, barking because she does go out into our garden now. Okay. She never used to before, but she'll go out in the morning and she'll have a bit of a bark. Okay. And obviously, every, we fix. all just go mad. You know, you can hear my son just going, Pepper, stop barking. I'm I know like, the thing is, though, come in right now. If you bark <laughs> one more time, then you'll. So you've rewarded it. You've just trained oh, her to do I? it. Oh, no. Have it's I? the picnic thing again. Oh, no. 
Yes. Yes. So, yes. so what I'd suggest is, okay, play her at her own game. So if she's liking going out in the mornings now, take her out on a lead, let her do her pee, let her have a little sniff around, fine, then bring her back in. Because really she doesn't need to hang out in the garden and particularly if she's going to, you know, um, you know, abuse the, the lovely garden, which is your garden, by barking, she needs to come and in. And wake other people up. And wake That's other people up. Worry. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And maybe get a complaint from a neighbour, which you really don't want. Right. That then becomes tricky with dogs, you know, and we have to always be aware, you know, not everyone likes dogs. Yep. And that's mm. actually the, the first thing you've got to remember when you get a dog to understand that. Yes, yes. Um, so that's what I would do, take her out on a lead and bring her in on a lead. And same with the last bark, bark, pee at night, out on a lead and bring her back in. And pretty soon the habit will stop, I think, if it's just started, if you start now. But so what you're saying though is, don't let her out in the garden. I mean, on a sunny day, we like to have the French doors open and for her to be outside. Sometimes she will just sit on the grass. Look at Mr. Bates. I know he loves talking. it. He's, you know, he's we got off doing acrobatics as we sit on this lawn. <laughs> he is. He's, been, he's doing a little balance, aren't you? <laughs> Tightrope boy. Oh. I know. Um, well, the minute she starts barking, if she's in the garden, just bring her indoors or sit with her out in the garden as well on a on a five metre long line. So and that will curb it. And hopefully, you know, I would do a bit of boot camp on it, though, because it will become a habit and certainly shouting at her. Come in now, Pepper, you're being a you know, a nightmare, you're yeah. a riot. What's all this about? <laughs> That's all going to just make her bark more because she's going to think, oh, yeah, they're barking what I'm barking at. Oh, I see. Right. OK, all change on that, Pepper. Yeah, right. just right. a little bit of a change of uh, boundaries. That's all. Right. Yeah. I mean, I made the mistake with my first Bull Terrier, Molly. You know, we moved from a, a one bedroom flat without a garden and it's, I bought her a garden, obviously, you know, and um, of course, as, so, one does. as one does. And I opened those French doors and I went, there you go, Molly. Mm. This is your garden. Mm, Massive exactly mistake. What we've done. Massive mistake. Oh. She would go into the garden and just go on the upper level and bark and bark and bark. And I did get a complaint from a neighbour right. a few doors up. Right. And so this had to stop. And then a massive uh, desensitising for no barking campaign happened. But just that moment of opening the doors and saying, This is your garden, Molly. She was a very knowing dog. Mm. She thought, Absolutely top notch. This mm. is what I've always wanted. Mm. What a great Christmas present. Cause it was December. <laughs> Hurrah! I'm going to make everyone know that I'm here and I'm going to bark as loud as I can just because I can. You know, it's the starlight barking. Remember, you know, the sequel to 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> it's, it's all about dogs barking all over Hampstead. Well, that's what I think. So you think, well, I, we shouldn't deny her, you know, bog, dogs naturally bark. They do. You know, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't silence her. And if there's a cat on the wall or a squirrel, yes. isn't she exercising her dog... Well, right. she, she is, but the thing is, we live in London where, mm. you know, we're all very closely packed together. That's the problem. If you were in the True. middle of nowhere in the country, it wouldn't matter. Yes, that's so actually, that is the point. That is the mm. point, I mm. think, really. And also the fact she'll never catch the squirrel, she'll never catch the cat. No. Cats, are, <laughs> cats are devils. That's what actually triggered Molly as well, that we had a flat roof nearby where this cat would perch on the corner, its tail swishing like a big, you know, granddad clock. And staring and so what I had to do one day which was a bit awful I had to get the hose and spray it at the cat you know, and the cat oh. then went inside. Oh, imagine if a neighbour had seen you spraying their cat. I know. So, well, it didn't really get wet because it saw the water coming and then and fled right, but right, then right. every time the cat would 
do that, you see, sit on the corner because, you know, I'd be trying to work. So like you, I've always mm -hmm. worked from mm -hmm. home and so be a bit of a distraction. I'd just pick up the hose nozzle, point it at the cat, no water coming out of it, and the cat would go crikey and bolt indoors. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is where negative reinforcement comes in. But again, a necessity, really, because also the owner of that cat maybe should have been a bit sympathetic, thinking, all right, well, I've just complained that her dog barks all day, but what's making her dog bark? My cat. So, you know, it's all about this whole big picture, and if we'd all be a bit more harmonious and kind and thoughtful. <laughs> yes, but then, you know, that brings us back to the pandemic a bit, because we do live quite atomised kind of lives, don't we? Those of us who choose to live in cities, and we like that. Um, this um, way in which, you know, some people seem amazingly to have kind of com connected at kind of neighbour and kind of community level and maybe kind of got to know each other, or, you know, the old chatting over the kind of fence, which you sort of think is a post-war kind of idyll or something seems to have come back. <laughs> it has, yes. Um, well, gosh, I, I know, I know. And maybe, you see, I think, well, we have all changed, haven't we? It's been a massive punctuation mark. And I always think every cloud has a silver lining. And, but we mustn't lose touch of that glimmer of silver that's happened through the pandemic as we all get back more and more to our old normal selves. I think we really must think, you know, think about nature more um, and global warming. And um, then yep. that brings you back yep. to my flood. I mean, yeah. you know, um, I've lived in London in a basement flat for 28 years in different flats, you know, over the time and never been flooded. No. Pepper and I are going um, camping tomorrow in Cornwall. We're going down to somewhere called Prussia Cove, which is about 15 minutes from Penzance. And I'm just wondering whether it's going to rain like mad and what on earth camping in the rain with a miniature schnauzer um, is going to be like. I don't know if you've got any camping with pooches tips. Camping? Well, actually, since we last met, I did go glamping up in Shropshire to visit my um, vet from up there when I lived there to help my mum. And um, there is um, an amazing brand, I'll say it for some, Equifleece, that does these super, super Polartec fleece jackets. Ah. But what do they do these days? Well, they absorb water really, really quickly because right. it's a bit like us. You don't want to get pepper cold and then not in the warm. So she might go a bit hypothermic. You know, she's eight. She doesn't want to get the stiff joints. Because I was um, thinking if she is caught in a complete that's right. you know, downpour. Yeah, um, you need to be able to dry her. And that's where the, the, this fleece comes in because it's the fleece that people climb up Mount Everest in. Right. So <laughs> it really wicks away the moisture and then and then but because it's Polytech, it won't get soggy, so she can actually go out in the rain okay. and won't get drenched. So she'll stay warm already and she won't get wet. So for the tent, it's perfect because she'll be dry. Right. Oh, that's a good point. Okay, yeah. good. Well, that is a good a good kind of tip. And, and campsite, is there campsite etiquette for dogs, do you think? Same really as thinking, you know, don't let her raid anyone's tents for <laughs> a salmon and cream cheese yes. bagel. Yes. Mm. So, you know... Oh, a nice stew, yum. A stew, that would be good, wouldn't it? for her and things so it's about keeping her with you so the recall's important walk around the campsite on a lead I would because well, other other, than letting her yeah because you don't know about other room. dogs on the, the campsite they might get a bit territorial about their tents they might be a bit more seasoned campers and think hey you know what Shanauza this is our bit of the campsite okay. you know there could be a bit of that going on um, so I just keep her as close to you as possible and also because the dog theft I mean it's everywhere someone might she's little someone might just pick her up and 
hide her in a tent and you know Pepper that's a terrible thought it I is, won't let look. anybody pick you up no no we won't have that at all um, <laughs> and then the other thing that's always um, something to think about on kind of summer holidays we did go to um, Cornwall last year too and we did a lot of um, cliff top walking oh crumbs but then realised that we just do not know the kind of terrain and the walks at all and I kept wanting her to be off the lead and uh, but we were worried you know we've got oh gosh I'd be absolutely panicking you know I am a bit of a warrior you know and a bit perhaps OTT so but there's stories all the time that dogs have fallen off cliffs right Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, why, why, why don't you just tell it like it is? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, straight up. You know, I know people say, my dad used to say, don't worry, they can sense that they're high up. But, well, you know, the ground can crumble away. She's a townie dog, you mm. know, she's not a border collie that's grown up. So you think they wouldn't have a it, sense of the edge then? Well, it might be too late. Might they might get late. a sense of an mm. edge, you know, because she hasn't been desensitised to edges like that a right. lot. Because right. she's a town dog. So, and it just might take one bit of ground to crumble under her paw and she lose her balance. So I think for dogs that have lived in the country, they're out with the farmers on the edge of cliffs yes. since they were eight weeks. Yes. Then that's a different kettle of fish. But I wouldn't risk it. Air on the air on the side. I of the really portion. would. Yeah, yeah. Um, because then the problem is you're going to be tempted to go down and save her. Oh well, I mean, <laughs> yes, you would have. I to. mean, I, yeah, I'm not sure about bounding off a cliff but um i mean much pepper is of course i would do anything you know anything (laughs) for you um i tell you what i don't like i do not like whether with pepper or not i'm not big on fields full of cows anymore what's your view on that one no not at all well i think that well the law is that a farmer can shoot a dog if they find the dog you know hassling worrying livestock sheep or cattle right but the thing is cattle can they're big they're heavy and they They tend to form a herd and then they follow you. That happened to me once. I ended up on a public towpath with Molly, my first bull terrier, with a friend. And we're walking along. And then suddenly my friend goes, Anna. And I look and I see loads of bollocks. (gasps) And we turn around and we're walking. You don't run. Walking as fast as you can away. And then I quickly turn around to do a little quick glance, see if they were behind us. And I'm like, crikey. I go, they're they're following us. They're following us. what did you do? Just walked. If we'd run, it would have been worse. So you've got to walk. We just walked back to the fence. With the dogs beside you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Quickly put Molly on a lead. Yeah. You've got to because, you know, one kick from a cow could kill Pepper. Right. Oh, you know, so, and it is their field, I suppose. So that's the thing, you know, um, Mm. you know, the Farmers Union um, issued a massive sort of statement um, during one of the lockdowns, the second lockdown, that, um, you know, owners really, with their dogs, you must keep them on a lead around livestock because there was a, a lot of trouble. People didn't think. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that does completely, I think that completely makes sense. Mm. Um, no, I was terrified because there were quite a few of them and it was just me and my friend, her lurcher, Molly, and I was thinking, crumbs, let's get out of this field. Well, as you quick. do hear, you know, you do hear kind of stories of people off on their kind of, you know, Sunday walks after after a nice roast and not kind of making it home. So <laughs> yeah, um, horses. Pepper's quite um, wary of horses. She mm. seems to know that they're 
much kind of bigger and doesn't kind of run between their legs and things when we walk in Somerset um, near a friend's house. But actually um, thinking about it, um, we've always put her on the lead when we're near a horse. I think it's just common sense and just simple good practice to err on the side of caution because you mm. just you don't know the horse. Mm. It might not be a tall pepper, mm. but horses can be a bit spooked and flighty. Yeah. And if one were to rear up and throw the owner on the ground, you know, it, they could sue you. But a horse in a field, not a horse being. Oh, I see what I mean, you mean. Do they like. I mean, is it just depends on the horse whether they're used to dogs? Yeah, or? yes, depends mm. on the horse and depends mm. on the dog. Mm. They should all get along, you know, they're kind of complementary. But of course, dogs like to chase things and horses are plain animals. So, you know, it's in their DNA that if a creature like a wolf or a dog is coming after them, they're going to run and that can make the dog run after them even more. And there could be a collision, a fence, or the horse might jump something and end up in the Road. A bit like, you know, do you remember that Labrador? It was awful for the owner. It was a few years ago now called Fenton and it went viral. It was when a Labrador bolted in Richmond Park and chased like this huge herd of deer onto oh. the A3. Oh. And, onto the A3? Yeah, yeah. and miraculously right. no one was injured. Right. Wow. But um, and the owner's running behind his Labrador just screaming, Fenton! Oh and God. it went what viral. A what a nightmare. Oh, nightmare. And yeah. so yeah. that can happen. So I think everyone you know particularly us townies which I'm really proud of going out to the shires we just need to you know be considerate yes, yes. for the safety of everyone well uh, talking about things kind of going viral and stuff like that Pepper doesn't have um, her own kind of Instagram account or anything do Mr Binks and Prudence have theirs <laughs> they don't actually Are they, they influencers well you know they they do they do have influence they share my um, they do have <laughs> of influence, they don't have influence. You? of course yes, don't you Mr Binks yes. yes but you share my social media don't you Binks Yes, I'm on it quite a lot. Yes, you are. You were on it with Pepper just the other day. I know, it was excellent. You see, I have two-way conversations with my dog. I think I'm mad. Well, the other day, I can't remember where I was, and I was talking away to Pepper, and a lady said to me, oh, it's so nice that you're um, talking to your dog. And I thought, oh, is that a bit like if somebody puts on a dress and you ask them what it's like, and they say, well, it's kind of really you. In other words, they don't want to say the truth. Does she think I'm bad? <laughs> um, and I don't know. I think you just kind of, you just do, don't you? You just do sort of chat away. Yes. But has Pepper got an Instagram account? Because it is all the rage. It seems that these days you do need to have an Instagram well, I think Well, I think she's going to get one, actually. Maybe we'll... Um, maybe we'll start kind of soon she should she should definitely have one i mean the thing is on her instagram account what would she ha i mean you know pepper doesn't like change her outfits or anything <laughs> i mean it's like pepper um by a tree or pepper um you know it is difficult but i guess they're expressing the your personality that's the thing you uh, know and um pepper you're an extension of me bad exactly luck. Yeah. exactly so writing's <laughs> been difficult today i've had writer's uh, block yeah yeah, yeah but yeah, we've come yeah, out yeah. on the heath and yeah. now it's all good again yeah. i guess so i mean i'm not a, a great fan i feel that social media is something that uh, is here to stay now i was a bit resilient to get involved with it first yes how yes. about you uh, yeah, I mean, um, I kind of like reading other people's. I like kind of funny Twitters. I like kind of inform, you know, if there's something I want to kind of know about or I follow. There are lots of kind of writers I follow. Um, yeah. I mean, I do like Instagram. I love it for the kind of, of course, it's such a kind of visual thing, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I love it for kind of 
um, the, the fashion and stuff like that. But I think the the habit of it um, is a bit of a bit of an effort. Uh, yeah, and I think it's a bit just mentally a bit sort of you know um, OCD. It can all get a little bit uh, pressured. But um, yeah, and also I think you need to post good pictures, don't yes. you? You can't just post kind of rubbish stuff. Or here I am having my breakfast. You know, no, and again, I think it's all this thing about I've getting got an egg, following. I've got an yeah, how great! You know, that's the thing. I mean, I must admit, I don't like food posts. <laughs> but I can't. I've never posted. I've only posted food once. I thought you were say don't like food, but yeah, no, no I do food love food. Posts, but yeah, food posts, yeah, I just yeah, think, really, yeah, why? I'm yeah. not that bothered. You know. Yeah. But Genevieve, my gosh. Um, thank you for joining. <laughs> oh, it's such an honour to join you and Mr. Binks. And um, for being on the podcast, you oh. know, so um, it's brilliant. Very welcome, really enjoyed it, and so has Pepper. Her ears are up. They so are up. She must we... have enjoyed it. <laughs> Pepper, thank you. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, it was fun to see Pepper and Genevieve again. What's that? Yes, it is time for Woof of the Week. If you're going camping this summer, make sure you keep your dog on a lead around livestock. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again to Genevieve Fox. What an amazing person she is. All the links to Genevieve are in the show notes. Thanks to Mike Hansen, my very patient producer. Find out more about Pod People Productions at Pod People UK. For more about me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, we will be back in your feed next Sunday. But why don't you subscribe now? Then you'll never miss another show. Bye for now. Bye.